0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And uh, whether it's a day uh, that you're really looking forward to because somebody else is paying for a meal, or whether it's a day where sometimes it, uh, it brings some, some pain to the service, let Jesus keep healing it. And as Jonathan's encouraged us, keep running to the Father. There's nothing better. And he'll never hurt us. He'll only embrace us. Some, also, some really good news um, which uh, I have the permission to announce this morning, but um, <clears throat> where is Anna? Oh, right. Yeah, Anna and Kev are snooking right at the back, but um, we're pleased to announce they're expecting their first child. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, the little baby is due in early November. Anna, Kev, we're absolutely thrilled. Um, keep adding to the church growth and uh, uh, you look tremendous Anna and you led worship so well again this morning so we're praying for you both praying you'll be blessed and we know that you're going to be great parents and next year Kev, your first father's day you know shows how old I am this is my 38th you know so (laughs) this morning uh, I'm going to try and sort of uh, talk into a subject that's just as sometimes it's not easy to speak into mother's day it's actually not a, a subject to speak easily into but i want you to try and grasp it this morning and over the next 3 or 4 weeks at arena we're going to be sit under this banner headline of healthy homes we understand that a home has many makeups and we don't want anybody to feel pushed back in any way but we're going to look at men we're going to look at women we're going to look at kids and we're going to look a little bit about how a family or to function and know God's life in these very, very complex days in which we live. How many of you know that Jesus still wants to be the answer to every situation in people's lives, and He wants us to display and reflect the kingdom. Now, talking about football, I know the football season's finished, and uh, and it should have finished a few weeks ago. And then we want to add the England nonsense over the last few days, but it's the cricket season. Football in the winter, cricket in the summer. And, um, but I've got a football uh, lead in this morning, you'll forgive me. And uh, a little time ago, I, cro- I came across a Twitter feed of Ian Wright. For those of you that know, know, know football, Ian's on Match of the Day regularly with Alan Shearer. Now as a pundit, uh, and he's put a few pounds on. But in his day, he was a brilliant centre forward for Crystal Palace Arsenal and England. No father figure in his life, no man influence until his junior school teacher came along and impacted him. And Ian was doing Desert Island Discs, which is a Radio 4 program, 5 past 9 on a Friday morning. And what happens is they get all sorts of people on, they pick their seven records that have basically impacted their life, and they share a little bit of the story. And it's quite fascinating because everybody's got a story. And so on this particular Desert Island Disc, Ian is on being interviewed by the interviewer and he begins to talk about this man that had an impact on his life who he thought had passed away and he references the time that they met again. It runs for about two minutes. It seems appropriate on Father's Day.
1: I know he loved me. You know, I don't know why he chose me. I'm glad that he did. He was the one who taught me about Jimmy Greaves and Making sure when you finish, in when you're going through with the goalkeeper, look for the space, score beautiful goals. But he gave me responsibility. I mean, I used to collect the registers from the teachers. Then they made me milk monitor. I really liked that. And you know, I looked up. What was up,
0: that like for the kid who couldn't sit still?
1: Well, it was really good. I, I just felt important. He wouldn't let me play football if he'd heard that I'd been naughty in class. He just gave me a sense of feeling like I, I had some use. You know, it was really weird because the viral video that went around... Yes, in
0: 2010, you were reunited with him mm. and that video clip online's been viewed over two million times. You had thought that he had yeah. passed away. You'd been told incorrectly. Couldn't,
1: yeah, I couldn't find him. I was doing a television show and there's a bit in it where I had to go back to the ground and just sit in the director's box. And so I was sitting there in a reflective moment and then he just came off my right shoulder. And I'd said to him, Oh my gosh! I thought I thought you died. I thought you was dead, and he said, "Well, I'm very much alive." Ian, and something like that, and then he said, "How proud he is of me." And then I hugged him, and because he was three or four steps up, I felt like I was like seven again. I remember him saying, uh, "You know," because he was one of the youngest pilots in World War Two. And when we won the war, he was one of the pilots chosen to do the flyover of Buckingham Palace, right? So, I remember him saying that he was more proud of the fact that I played for England than him flying over Buckingham Palace. Oh, man. I love that man. Gosh, man, I'm so sorry to people are listening. I'm just turning to this bumbling, crying guy. But they'll all be crying with you, and don't worry. When he said that, he, he changed my life just by recognizing. I don't know what it was when I was standing outside that classroom that I needed more, and and he gave it to me. And you know, to be able to unveil his plaque at Turnham Junior School was the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life. To be honest, just the greatest man in the world.
0: Yeah, Ian was born in South London, no father figure for all sorts of reasons, until Mr. Pigeon came along in junior school. Love that man. And he brought something that Ian had never experienced in his life, manliness and fatherliness. And the impact of that still has an impact on people today. So building on that, I'm going to bring my verse to you today and... Uh, unusually for me, the verse is going to come from the King James Version. It's all right, I've got the New International as well. But I just like this verse. And it seems to fit in with what we want to share for a few moments. It says, and I've left it all in, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. The word quit there in the ancient language, totally opposite, as I'll come to later, to what we think it is. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all things be done with charity. And for the New International Version as well, we'll just put up, it says these words. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And so sitting under that banner headline for the next few minutes of Alfie Holmes, I'm going to speak for a few moments about men for our times. Men for our times. And by that, I mean old blokes like me, granddads. I mean those of you that are in the parenting stage or to be in the parenting stage. I'm talking about our young men. Wasn't it great to see young men serving on the worship team this morning? And they did a brilliant, brilliant job. And so I'm talking about all sorts of ages. I'm talking about guys that think God's passed them by. He hasn't. The best season for your life is still in front of you. The most fruitful times for your life are still ahead of you. Because that's the redemptive purpose of God. He always wants to take us from failure and frustration to bring us to a place of fulfillment in His purpose. We sang in one of the songs this morning that God's got a purpose over our lives. So that's what I'm contesting for this morning, because there's Ian rights all over the place, and they need Mr. Pigeon to come along and wash over them with something that they've never experienced in their life before. We understand, of course, that there's not a man in every home for all sorts of reasons, and we have mothers doing an incredible, incredible job raising a family. There's no pushback on that. And there's certainly no pushback on it in Arena Church. We need to appropriate, at times, manly influences that will help the nurturing of children to come to maturity. We recognise, at times, also, that manliness is under attack in our turbulent 21st century world. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. And as we go to our next slide, I want us to also face up to the fact that men because we're sinful, have often messed up. As Jonathan called us to run back to God this morning, the problem is that some of us feel we've so messed up, there's no way back to the Heavenly Father. And I want to say that's a lie. There's always a way back. used to sing a song years ago in Sunday school, there's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's always a way back. But we've messed up because we're sinful. Jesus says, if you being evil, in that sense, being Less than perfect, know how to give good gifts to your Father. How much more the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him? Here's three areas. I'm just going to bullet point them where we've messed up. We've messed up in relating at times. And men sometimes are poor in this area. And God helps us to do better. We've messed up in responsibilities. You see, being a father is a privilege. And privileges bring responsibilities and it may be that you find it so difficult to get to God the Father because you're forever reminded by that accusing voice in your life that you messed up in your responsibilities God says there's forgiveness there's grace there's healing for you to go again can we even believe there would be restored relationships that are broken that spill out of this morning's meeting that seemed impossible but with God all things are possible And we've messed up in requirements. We see even in recent years as the Me Too movement has been spawned. And we understand some of the uh, motivations for that aren't always good. But the Me Too uh, movement of women that's been spawned in the last four or five years basically found acceleration on the fact that men had not come to the requirements of treating women appropriately. And there was a price to pay. There are always is and then there's a battle on here's three areas again i'm just going to bullet point them but there's battle on regarding procreation and i don't want to go there unnecessarily suffice to say that there's an idea out there that wants to bypass the natural procreative purposes because some women have got such a pushback on men and it goes against god's divine purpose and then the battle for purpose Someone defined purpose as the uh, contending for the truth of what it means to be a man. And then position, position. Today we deliberately honour Father's Day because honour is not only a value of our life, it's an expression of the kingdom. The Bible says that we're to honour fathers. And so often, sadly, they become a parody. They've been set up for ridicule. They've been dismissed. We want to take a a moment today to reaffirm the position, the position that God has placed fathering in in our world that makes life work. What does all this produce often in men? Well, it impacts emotionally, psychologically, relationally, and yes, spiritually. And if you think men, sometimes it's a battle being a man and a dad The reason is because it is. And we need men of our times to rise up and be the men that God has called them to be because such men will make a difference far beyond they could imagine or think. So our verse says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men, be strong. Let all things be done in charity and we're going to take four things in the last part of the message to help us understand a little bit of what it means to be a man in our times and ladies I want you just to let this wash over you as well and uh, some of you have got incredibly loving relationships that you can lean into and across a congregation like this this morning to be others with less positive experiences but if I can say it carefully this morning that right across our church, boys and girls, young people, women, they would increasingly pray for men in this season and that God would bless us. You see, the church is not a lifeboat. The church is not a lifeboat. If there's a problem, the lifeboat goes out, women and children first. I understand why, of course, But sometimes we've been women and children first. And if you go to some churches, and we're very blessed in arena, if you go to some churches, you've got to scan pretty carefully to find a bloke in the church. But one of my passions is that church is for blokes. Church is for men, real men. With all the challenges we face, that will be real men. It's for us. God wants a pathway for us to walk in and be what he's called us to be. That as we fuel that with women and children and young people and seniors, we find the true winsome community of the kingdom that presents a picture. So watch ye, alertness. In one Corinthians ten, just before our reading, it talks about being careful, and there's three things there I wanted just to mention. He says, "Whoever thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall." And there is no temptation that has taken you. But such is common to man. And I'm using the masculine deliberate this morning, even though it's generic. But God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. And with the temptation will bring a way of escape. Watch ye. The other week, we all enjoyed the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and we saw a lot of soldiers marching. And of course, they're professional soldiers that would often also do sentry duty. So if you're thinking of any time soon, you know, charging the gates of Buckingham Palace and having a cup of tea with the queen, it ain't going to happen because there are guys on sentry duty and they're there for a reason. They're there to guard. They're there to be alert. They're there to bring security and they they have a great awareness and alertness. Um, You may have seen that... uh, um, uh, video two or three years ago when on a very hot day like we enjoyed on Saturday one of the guards was on sentry duty and all of a sudden he just went like you know a big tree being being demolished they didn't sort of say well I'll tell you what leave him on the ground it'll be all right they went to his aid and somebody else took his place the place of alertness and Watch ye. We need to be alert. Three things we need to be heeding. He that thinks he stands, take heed, lest he fall. I was sharing in a leaders meeting, we had a tremendous moving forward leaders meeting last Monday. And part of that is the fruit of your vision and your giving into it. We had numbers of people here. And I won't go in those meetings, in a leaders context, we try without faking it to be a little bit vulnerable at times because it's a particular context But the reality is, guys, we need to be on our guard. You see, at 67 years of age, the devil still wants to take me out. And he tells me so sometimes with the accusing voice. I still want to take you out. I still want to compromise your integrity. I still want you to be a disappointment to your family, your kids, the church. He's not going to do it. And I tell him strongly at times. But he that thinks he stands, and I think I'm standing, take heed, lest he fall, be alert, those things that are particularly peculiar to you that you would call weaknesses. Start to ask that God would turn your weaknesses into strengths. And then there's an overcoming. There's an overcoming. That, um, that we understand that when things come to our lives, there's an opportunity to cave in and fail, but there's always an opportunity to overcome and be victorious. And also there's an understanding that there's always a way of escape. Now here's the big choice, guys. We don't always take it. That's why we mess up. Because actually, the carnal side as at times doesn't want to run down to the escape hatch. He wants to do what we want to do. And I want to encourage us today, but there's a real enemy. I don't want to big him up. I don't want to make him bigger than what he is, because in the authority of Christ, he's defeated. But he is described as a roaring lion. He is described as a subtle saint. And he loves to take men down. And we need to be alert. Number two. Steadfast in the faith. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Well, That sounds a bit boring. I want to tell you that God loves faithfulness. He really, really does. And here's three areas where we can be faithful. Faithful first in the, in the small things, the things that don't seem to matter. Luke 16.10 says that he that's faithful or can be trusted in the little can then be given and trusted the much. I was watching uh, Pointless last night. Hey, that's how they spend your Saturday night. Whoa. And, uh, and uh, Alison Mitchell was on. Uh, She's a brilliant cricket commentator. In fact, she's one of the best. She's incredible, so knowledgeable, brilliant. And she talked about coming to test, commentating in Test Match Special at Lords, which is a very prestigious commentary thing. But here's the giveaway. She says, I didn't get there overnight. She said, I started off by commentating at some county games. Nobody was listening. There was one man and his dog. Nobody was bothered. But when she was faithful in the little things, God opens some, uh, sorry, not God open, but media opens something up for, as in the natural, so in the spiritual. And if you want to take the world for Jesus and be the next global evangelist, it might start with being on the car park or digging somebody's garden or stacking the chairs or whatever it is. When we're faithful in the little things, God entrusts us with the big things. And I want to say, I've watched it over 40-odd years of ministry. God doesn't violate the principle. I've come across so many people that have tried. They've tried to get somewhere quicker than God wants them to get there. And it never, never works. Faithful in the things that are small. And then faithful in the things regarding others. serving. Uh, We had a tremendous serve day last week, and it was great to see all the pictures put out under the weekly news from Annie this week. And right across the campuses, the uh, red-shirted army was out there touching communities and making a difference. And God has called us to serve. I know it's a little cliche, but guys, we're saved to serve. We're saved to make a difference. And sometimes it can seem in a very ordinary way. Let me read this story to you. He's by a guy called Norman Geisler, who's become a significant Christian author in America over the years. And he said, for eight years as a kid, I used to go to Sunday school. And he says, the way that we got to Sunday school is that we were picked up in a bus. You know, the Americans love the bussing them into school and the bus them into church. You know, the, the big sort of yellow busses. So they bus him into church. He said, I went to Sunday school consecutively for eight years that's over 400 services at sunday schools and he says every week the same guy was driving the bus and he picked me up he says at the end of eight years as i came to my mid late teens i became a christian i thought it took him eight years of following jesus christ and now he's an influencer through the gift of writing and norman geisler says what if that bus driver had given up on me what if he'd stopped being faithful driving the bus? What if, he, what if he'd said, This kid's going nowhere spiritually, it's a complete waste of time? And you're serving is putting something into people that will reap a harvest way beyond you could ever imagine. Do you know there are people yet to get saved through your serving? Do you know that God's yet calling pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists that at the moment seem to be batting it off and not interested? But somewhere along the line, Jesus comes and makes a difference because you didn't give up on them serving and then serving in everyday things. The Bible says that we're to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. It may be that you're a dad that's a bit under the pump with the family budget at the moment. It may be that you're looking into the summer and then thinking, yikes, when them gas bills go up again in October. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. God's got it covered. God knows all about your inward concerns. But be faithful to him in the everyday things. Go to work serving the Lord wholeheartedly. Be that person that can be reliable upon. Stand fast in the faith. Be faithful. Somebody says that faithfulness is the cornerstone of God's reckoning. And when we stand before Jesus and Jesus told a story, you remember the story of the person that had been faithful and, and blessed. He says, well, he doesn't say, well done, good and famous servants. I think God's less and less interested about fame in the church. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of heaven. Faithful when nobody's looking. Faithful when nobody says thank you. Faithful when nobody seems bothered. Faithful when you're sharing the faith with somebody and they're just batting you off. One day they're going to get saved. Faithful in the small, in the serving And in the everyday things of life that we should say in our faithfulness. And then number three, quit you like men, be strong. Quit you like men, be strong. Not only alertness, not only faithfulness, but also steadfastness. Now this word quit, is why we don't use the authorised version very much now. Because words of 1611, that's a long time ago, Say something different to what we want them to say. So when I say quit, now you're thinking, oh yeah, pack in, give up. But it's saying the very opposite. It's asking us to lean in and to be true to what God is doing in our lives. It's saying be courageous and strong. Be courageous and strong. And that thought of steadfastness is about being constant and reliable and producing that steadfast spirit in your life here's a verse from corinthians 15 it's what's known as the resurrection chapter and for 57 verses the apostle paul talks about the power of the resurrection and then we get to verse 58 the last verse of the chapter therefore and by now arena ilkerson you must surely know this great theological truth that is if there's a therefore in the bible we look what it's Therefore, and the reason it's there is because Jesus Christ is alive. Be firm in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labor in the Lord, whatever context that might be, driving a bus, digging somebody's garden, preaching a message, declaring the good news in the open air, visiting the sick, being a good dad, whatever it is, whatever the context, is not futile. Never wasted or of no purpose. You know, one of the things that you have to deal with as a pastor preacher over many years is the little accusing voice forever telling you that was a complete waste of time. Nobody was bothered, nobody was listening, nobody was interested. You just wasted your time again on a Sunday. And you have to deal with it. And sometimes when you feel that it seems to have been most wasted, the following week, the Spirit of God comes along and brings an encouragement. And somebody buttons old you and says, you know that word last week, I thought nobody was listening. Woo! It really went into my heart and made a difference. Really? Really? God's just saying nothing's ever wasted, nothing's ever futile, nothing's ever thrown away. So be steadfast. Hold your ground in the light of Jesus Christ being alive. And fourthly, let all things be done with charity now when we think of charity we think of arena community charity we had a trustees meeting this week we think of the shops we think of the incredible work of our community pastor and pastor at the hub lisa we think of people being blessed we think of food bank and all of those things are fantastic because in a modern life that more reflects the word charity You'll know that the older translations of the Bible use the word charity when actually it better translates the word love. Agape love, love that rests in the will. And the fourth thing to be a man of our times is that we display loving kindness. Remember I said that the kingdom, the word of God, the church is for blokes. You might be saying, oh, there he goes, loving kindness, all that wimpy, soppy stuff. I can't be doing with it. I'm going to read these words to you in a moment and realize it takes men to live a loving life like this. And if you bought the lie that somehow the Christian faith is going to emasculate your uh, manliness, you're barking up the wrong tree. God wants you to come with all that you are and let it be fueled by the love of God. Loving kindness. The psalmist says that God's loving kindness is better than life. Think about that for a moment. Anybody remember that song? Thy loving kindness. Yeah, some of you. What he's saying is, I'd rather be dead than not have have God's loving kindness. Whoa. God's loving kindness is better than life. And he wants his loving kindness to be displayed in our everyday world through our loving kindness. I'm reading these verses from what is known as the love chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Four descriptions, four understandings of love in the Old in the New Testament. The the word eros, which describes the intimate relationship between man and woman, the word filio that speaks of friendship, city of friendship, Philadelphia. Some of you have been to it in the states. The word storge that talks about love within an immediate family context, but also the word agape, which is often used. It's a word that resides in our will. It can be emotional. But it's rooted in our will. And this is what we're talking about here. And this is the call, men, today. This is not for wimpies. This is not for people that are just thinking, oh, again. This is for real men. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Wow! Wow! It delights not in evil, but in the truth. Love always protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. As we look at developing healthy homes in the context, the subplots of our community called Arena Church over the next few weeks, may God help us to take hold of principles that are being contested for like never before in a modern world. And in a modern world, live out the truths that work for the glory of God. As a dad and as a granddad, on Father's Day, it's my privilege this morning, albeit falteringly, to speak again and to call every man in this room to be a man of our times Yeah, we all get it wrong at times. We're all less than Jesus, of course, but we can make a difference. We can be Mr. Pigeon, reaching out to disaffected kids that have never even felt, leaving aside the Heavenly Father, the embrace of a manly godliness that puts an arm around somebody and says, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I want you to win. Never underestimate what those kingdom words can do for people in the vulnerability of coming from boyhood to maturity.